Support comes from Kenmore Air, offering getaways to charming Victoria, B.C. with daily flights. Just a quick 45-minute flight from Seattle to Victoria's Inner Harbor, from only $169 per person one way. Bookings available now at KenmoreAir.com. You're listening to Soundside. I'm Libby Denkman. You've seen the Nicole Kidman AMC ad. You know. We come to this place for magic. And there is something that feels special about watching a movie in a theater, whether it's the buttery popcorn or the fancy seats or the giant screen, whatever, the air conditioning. But since the pandemic, that magic generally has not been enough to put butts back in seats. Now, new reporting from Seattle Times arts economy reporter Margot Von Singel says there are signs that the theater business is getting back on track. Maybe. If this were a movie, it would be at the turning point. The moment when the handsome lead races through the rain to confess his love, or the plucky heroine rushes to the other end of the city to save the day before the clock runs out. In other words, we're not there yet, but could a happy-ish ending be in sight? That's Margot reading from her newest story, Seattle Movie Theaters Aren't Dying, They Are Changing. And she joins me now. Hi, Margot. Thanks for doing this. Hi, Libby, of course. So you just read that currently theaters are at a turning point. What does that mean? So we're about four years since the start of the pandemic and since theaters, you know, along with everything else had to close. And we're seeing good news. We're seeing that people are starting to go back to the movies. Foot traffic is coming back. Box office is coming back. 2023 was a great year. uh, The best since since the start of the pandemic. So that's all good news. And then I'm coming in with a but, of course. Um, We're definitely not there yet, right? Local theaters that I've talked to say audience levels are still kind of trailing 20 to 25% below like pre-pandemic levels. Um, 2024 is kind of a big question mark. So growth is is still kind of a ways out. So yeah, if this were a movie, this would be the point where you're like, oh man, I, I, hope, I hope this turns out all right. Last summer, a lot of us here on the Soundside team got together, we dressed up and we all went to the opening of Barbie at the Sif Egyptian on Capitol Hill. And it was such a cool event. I mean, there was, you know, places to take photos. It was packed. The energy was super high. You had cupcakes themed with Barbie. Um, everybody was having a great time. And it was really exciting to kind of feel that again in a theater. Mm-hmm. Um, how big of an impact did that Barbenheimer weekend have on box office business in Seattle and beyond? I mean, it was it was major. Um, it was a cultural phenomenon. So it got everyone talking about like, oh, going back to the movies and kind of that magic and the fun of that. But on a kind of baseline income level for theaters, it was it was huge. And in my piece, I call it a lifeline. Uh, just Barbie alone grossed more than one billion. And I think the total box office for, for major movies was nine billion around there. So that tells you something, right? But also locally, I just, I talked to, Ballard's Majestic Bay Theater and the president said that Barbie was the highest grossing movie in its 23 year history. Wow. So he was like it did more business than Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Star Wars like that. That's a lot. I will say there were, of course, a lot of other successful movies, Oppenheimer being among them. Um, but what Barbie did was uh, also did was get w- women, especially women over 35, back to the theaters. And they were the group most reluctant to return. So that was also a big deal in terms of, you know, if you think of going to the theater as kind of, you know, muscle memory um, that like got them back and maybe potentially were like, oh, this is really fun. I should I should go back again. So that was also kind of a watershed moment yeah. in, in the recovery. I also wonder how much that's going to 
be a clarion call for Hollywood to start thinking about those audience in what gets funded, what kind of filmmakers get supported. Absolutely. Like there has been such a gender um, imbalance and the types of big franchises that get the money, that, that get, you know, the resources and are pushed out. But to see that women do have a hunger for this and they can mm-hmm. come out, especially those women over 35, if you provide something that's exciting for them. Um, that's that's interesting to hear about. You know, I read your opening of your story about the Lord of the Rings event at the SIF Cinema downtown, which used to be the Cinerama. Mm-hmm. And I have to say my first reaction was, how did I miss that? <laughs> love to see the Lord of the Rings all three movies in the amazing SIF cinema that that Cinerama screen Mm -hmm. and with the chocolate popcorn and it seems like what you're saying is that local theaters are really trying to target like social events and and making things more of a um, experience rather than just the movie drawing people out. That's that's right. And um, that's something that was being done already before the pandemic that happened, but it seems to be happening more now. And it seems to be driving audiences more. Like Sif told me that is something that they're seeing that audiences really respond to. And it's anything from having, you know, mead during Lord of the Rings uh, marathon all day and people dressing up, people dressed up, they had capes and beards and all the good stuff. Uh, or it's going to Taylor Swift or Beyonce's concert movies and dancing in the in the aisles, right? It's that little extra, that experience that people want to be a part of that is really drawing people out. I think that's especially true in kind of this like weird pandemic moment that we're in, but also with streaming being a competitor. It's like, what what do you use to get people out of the house and to make the experience just that a little bit more tantalizing? Are we hitting timing-wise just that moment when production companies have these big projects coming out for the first time since the pandemic. I mean, there's got to be a lag when you had things and and film sets shutting down during that, you know, two, three year period. Um, is this kind of just the first time that we have these big movies? I mean, Fast X, Mission Impossible, a lot of films that mm-hmm. um, we were waiting for through the pandemic. They they had another entry into their franchise. And, and you're just kind of hitting that timeline where 2023 had a lot of those films in theaters. Yeah, we had, um, you know, more films, uh, more movies in the theaters last year. But what happened also last year, we had two major labor strikes in Hollywood. And that pushed a lot of um, a lot of projects further down the pike, whether that's actors not being able to do advertising or press for their movie, or whether that's just because they had to stop working on these movies. So we're actually seeing that 2024 is going to be probably more constricted in terms of what is on the screen. There's a lot of animation. There's a lot of superhero stuff, but there's 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 fewer there are fewer things out there likely in 2024. So we're seeing that a lot of projects have been pushed to 2025 or even 2026. So that's why um, a lot of experts, a lot of analysts are saying that 2024 may actually be a dip box office wise compared with 2023. You say there's a lot of superhero movies coming out. There's also going to be a lag because production was delayed with the writers and and actors strikes. Does that spell trouble for 2024? I mean, the bloom is off the Marvel Rose. Those are not guaranteed draws to the box office anymore. 
Yeah, I think that's something that uh, analysts and experts are looking at, uh, at the superhero fatigue, quote unquote. There is still, I think, a lot to be excited about for 2024 when I talk to people. It may not just quite be as good as 2023, which was kind of exceptional with Barbie, with Oppenheimer and so forth. But we're seeing Dune, for example. People are, are really looking at Dune to kind of have that first peak of the year because we're off to a very, very slow start in 2024. So we're looking at that. And then what we're seeing also this year is a lot of sequels, a lot of kind of known quantities, which can help draw people back. And then what we're also seeing is a lot of animation, which potentially means families, uh, which is which is a good thing, according to analysts. So kind of the jury's still out on 2024. But what is likely is that 2024 that the box office in 2024 is going to um, fall below 2023. Disney's trying a Moana sequel. I mean, this is <laughs> they're really trying to go back to the well for some uh, reliable IP. Absolutely. What about inflation? I mean, folks are, you know, looking at their budgets. Everything's more expensive. Is that hurting Hollywood at all? Oh, it plays a major role. Um, it's just, it's making people pickier, right? Um, and it's interesting, film or going to the movies is considered some of the cheapest form of quote-unquote out-of-home entertainment. Um, but it's still really expensive, especially if you like factor in concessions and, and sometimes parking for folks. And then especially when you're in this region where everything is just more expensive, right? So so yeah, the cost of going to the theater is one of the main reasons why people don't go more often or even why people stay away entirely, just because streaming a movie at home makes more financial sense. You report, Margot, on the ways that people are trying to overcome that hesitation, right? It is so comfy to just sit at home on your couch and watch a movie Mm -hmm. um, on a streaming platform. But again, theaters are trying to make this an experience. And I do hear a lot of Gen Z folks, millennial folks talking about experiences over things that going out, being with your friends, kind of treating that movie theater like the third place Mm. that is a a meeting point for people. That's going to continue to be an important part of the business. Um, Anything else you want to say about the future of movie theaters here in Seattle or beyond? I would just add that, yes, we're going to see more of those experiences. I think that's really a a smart way to draw people back. What people are also doing is investing in um, kind of fancier seats and um, bigger screens and nicer food, anything from sushi to charcuterie boats. Sushi at the movie theater? Ah, hold. (laughs) Hold the phone. (laughs) That is... We're going to bridge too far. Some people are risk takers, you know. (laughs) But yeah, I think think it's just all those things that people, like the experience that people cannot have at home. And I think the major part of that is bigger screens or premium screens, as they're called. So that's your IMAX, 3D experiences, like try screens, kind of like panoramic stuff. And and data has shown that people will actually pay more for this gladly. So it's those like really avid moviegoers who are like, well, I'll pay more for kind of a premium experience. And that like helps drive the box office. So we're going to see more of that. And I think Dune is a good example. I, I wanted to see it was talking to a friend and my friend was like, we have to see this on IMAX. And so, you know, we got our tickets immediately. So we're seeing that this is something that actually happens. Well, my producer, Jason Burroughs, already got uh, my husband and I and, and some friends tickets to uh, the Pacific Science Center IMAX for the Dune movie because we're so excited to see that on that big screen. So, yeah, I'll, I guess I'll see you there. Yeah, I'll see you there. Seattle Times arts economy reporter Margot Von Singel. Thank you very much for being here. This was fun. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Sound Side. 
By the way, this show is only possible because listeners support us. If you are able to give right now, check out the show notes for a link to donate. And don't forget, you can listen live on KUOW 94.9 FM Seattle at noon and 8 p.m. Monday through Thursday or anytime online at KUOW.org. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.